Hello, Courageous Creatives. Welcome to the first episode of the Anagale Lines podcast. I'm your host, Anagale Lines. If you're a creative like me, maybe you're a singer, a songwriter, an actor, a painter, a poet, a sculptor, a musician, and you suffer from depression, anxiety, maybe a panic disorder, or any other mental health issues, this is the place for you. I will be taking you on my journey of being a novelist and a painter and suffering from depression and anxiety, along with panic attacks. Eventually, I would love to feature your stories about your journey and your struggles, your failures and your fears, because I find that we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. In the meantime, I'm going to tell you who I am and my story. And I'm gonna take you with me as I embark on a year of doing what I fear. Whether that be speaking in, in front of large crowds, whether that be connecting on and offline with people, whether that be putting myself out there and my work and marketing it, or doing this podcast. What inspired me to do the year of doing what I fear was two things. One was the book, The Year of Yes by Chandra Rhimes. You know her as the showrunner of Grey's Anatomy and Private private practice, and scandal. Uh, she decided for one year that she was going to say yes to opportunities when asked so that she can get out of her comfort zone. And her year of yes led her to speak in front of people and meet people she normally wouldn't have. And it propel propelled her love life and her career. So I wondered, could this happen for me too? Could I get out of my comfort zone by just saying yes to opportunities when they come my way despite the fear? And the other inspiration was a business class I took online. And it was about tapping into your intuition and how to know that you're on the right track. And the speaker of this master class challenged us to ask ourselves, what is it that we fear? And to do it. I've heard Sally Field quoted as saying, fear is where the information is. And I agree that we need to learn not to let fear define us in a negative light. Instead of fearing what we are afraid to do, we need to embrace it and do it. Our success is always on the other side of fear, which is easier said than done. When we let fear be our guide instead of our enemy, it will propel us to places we have never gone before. It will take us outside of our comfort zone. We need to stop playing small. We were never meant to play small. You and I are destined for greatness. We need to tap into that power within us. We are all superheroes and we need to tap into our superpowers. We need to step up and be who we were meant to be. There are people in this world we are meant to help through our gifts and our talents, and we don't know how what we do influences people. And if we keep playing small, they won't get the help that they need. Take a moment to think about that. What if you didn't create that book? What if you didn't create that painting? What if you didn't create that piece of music? What if you didn't record that song? Who would be affected by that? 
Mary is struggling today and your book, your music, your painting is what could inspire her to get out of her comfort zone and be who she's supposed to be. But you didn't write that book. You didn't record that song. And she stays stuck because you didn't do what you were meant to do to help her. The graveyards are full of people who never reached their potential, didn't use the gifts and talents they were given to enrich the lives of others. Don't let that be your life. Don't let that be your legacy. That was my life. That was my legacy. I'm an only child. And I was born in the 70s. I was raised in the 80s in the time of big hair and cabbage patch kids and when windows were used to look at what the neighbors were doing and when your parents and the visitors were coming up the drive. And we had phones with cords. This was before the internet, before AOL, before Atari, and before Windows on your computer and before Apple even existed. I spent hours in my room imagining stories in my head about the careers that I might have when I grew up. And I changed my mind so many times that my grandfather, who was a poet, he was an electronic engineer, but he was a poet on the side, wrote a poem about me changing careers in my mind a thousand times. So I would, um, I would play make-believe about all these careers I would have. And I, cre I credit those early days with training my imagination to roam free. It's a great skill to have if you grow up to be a novelist. <laughs> For me, I didn't have a voice. I was one of those kids who didn't make friends easily. When I was asked to play or eat lunch with the other kids, I played small. I let them dictate what we did, what we played, and what we believed. Even in junior high school and high school, I played chameleon and I blended in with whatever group I was involved with. My mother always spoke for me. She decided what I would do, where I would go, and what I would listen to, and who I would hang around. Even into my adulthood, she would try to do this. I would try to voice my opinions, but I got shot down every time. And when I became older, I just gave up trying to speak for myself. And when I was called upon to do so, I went into a full-on panic attack. I could not talk on the phone, and I could not speak to strangers. Fast forward to now, I'm a certified pharmacy tech, and I am in a call center speaking to people every single day that I work. My only safe zone at the time was my writing. I started writing stories when I was 13. I sat in the library of my junior high school. I don't know why I was there. I don't quite remember, but I think it's because the teacher that I was helping didn't have any more work for me to do, so she sent me to the library. She was the best English teacher I ever had. Her hair looked like she put her finger in a light socket, but she taught me grammar and she taught me a love of reading more than I had before because I did love to read before her. I put pencil to paper and I created a story. As I got older, I got into science fiction, again, from my friends. And my friends and I created a Star Trek fanzine set in the Star Trek universe, but with characters I created. 
My friends used to love to read my stories and comment on them and give me ideas. And we even sold a few copies of the fanzine. I did a lot of short stories, but I wanted to embark on a novel. Only I never could quite get it to come together. So I was in creative writing class in college and I was, our assignment was to create a background for a character. What she looked like, what she liked to do, who was her family, where did she grow up, what were her ambitions, and my, and my classmates were impressed with how thorough I was. That is where my signature character, Jessa Strazer, later Masters, came from. She was born in that classroom. Only back then, she was the commander of a space base, and she was foul-mouthed. To the point where she was dropping the F-bomb like every paragraph. She even had a muscular, kind of dumb, good-looking husband. Only I never could find a story to fit her. Fast forward 10 years and I was trying to come up with a novel idea because at that point I had never finished a novel. I had started them but never finished them. And it struck me resurrect Jessa and this was at the time of around the time of 9-11 and I was watching a show in reruns called Scarecrow and Mrs. King I had never seen the original run and I really got into this whole espionage federal agent solving crimes thing so I decided to make Jessa a federal agent solving crimes in space but now she commanded the USS Liberty at the edge of a war. She was the she commanded the flagship on the front lines of a war between the Crimson Fleet and the Freedom Alliance. The Freedom Alliance being the good guys, the Crimson Fleet being the bad guys. And I had come up with many incarnations of this this scenario trying to get a story to work for her and I had a partner for her named Nate well I kept sensing that Nate wanted to be her love interest I always know when it's going to be a good novel or a good short story when my characters start talking to me and Nate really wanted to be her love interest so I rewrote the story the premise of the story and I made her first husband, Ben, Nate's brother, die in the first scene. So now Nate and her have to solve his murder. And she's left with this box from that Ben left her with all the clues to figure out how he was murdered. And then Nate becomes her, her husband at the end of the novel. And since then... I have written over 20 novels with these same characters. In fact, I'm about to finish novel number 21 that I have self-published. And I've written other novels and I've also started a spin-off series in the same universe. And I have written so many novels since I finally got it right. But this, but this universe that I created has always been my voice, my place to speak my opinions and my views.
And while my mother was alive, I relied on my faith and my writing to bring me slowly back to the realization of wholeness. It wasn't until my mother passed that I started to understand who I was and who I was supposed to become. Even now in situations with narcissists, I have played small and gave up my voice for their voice and their narrative. I'm getting better, but it's a process, a journey. I am better than I was and I'm moving toward who I need to be, just as you are. After breaking up with one of those narcissists, I discovered acrylic pore painting. I saw it on a Facebook video. And as I painted anything I could get my hands on, plates, vases, canvases, coasters, clipboards, even sold a few of those clipboards. I realized that I was healing from what he did to me and all those evil things that he said to me. And I was discovering me. There was something healing about creating. But I have, like I'm sure you have, had periods of time where I've been depressed or full of anxiety, where I'm blocked and can't create. And sometimes I have painting jags where all I do is paint and writing jags where all I do is write. And then, but now I have a routine that I put in place that causes me to produce two novels a year. It works for me, but it might not work for you. You gotta find what works for you. Bear with me on these early episodes because everyone has to start, start somewhere. I cringe at my early novels, and I think they don't get good until novel six. Um, that is why I'm giving myself grace and asking you to do the same with this as I grow into the podcaster I'm meant to be. This is episode one in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember a famous quote from author Ambrose Hollingworth Redmoon. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. You and what you are meant to do is more important than fear. Until next time, this is Annagale Lines.